Welcome to Twin Peaks Radio, the show where we remember, in the words of Major Garland Briggs, a real mystery can't be solved, not completely. It's always just out of reach, like a light around the corner. You might catch a glimpse of what it reveals, feel its warmth, but you can't know the heart of it, not really. That's what gives it value. It can't be cracked. It's bigger than you and me, bigger than everything we know. I'm Professor Robert E.G. Black. Today I want to go back into the pilot and continue on and get sidetracked by props. I left off with Andy crying, Mr. Blodgett's barn. Is this going to happen every damn time, Sheriff Truman asks. No, but it will in the pilot. I think it was on Twin Peaks Universe maybe on Facebook, where someone pointed out how when Bobby sees Laura's photo in the return, he immediately cries. But Andy just stands there. He's gotten less emotional over the years. Doc Hayward takes the camera. Andy leaves. He's sent to the coroner's van to get the stretcher. We never see the stretcher arrive because they roll over the body. Doc Hayward immediately recognizes his daughter's best friend. Good Lord, Laura. And I don't know if it's the way Mike Lonkin says it or if it's a directing choice from David Lynch. But it seems like Sheriff Truman doesn't necessarily recognize Laura, but knows who Laura is. He realizes the way Hayward says it. Harry, let's roll it over. Good Lord, Laura.
And we go over to Laura's house, the Palmer house. Sarah's thinking Laura has slept in. She's trying to wake her. Notably, she's smoking, but I don't really want to talk about Sarah Palmer just yet. It's a great parenting thing, though. I'm not going to tell you again. She takes a breath, says, yes, I am, and yells again, because she knows she has to. The most interesting thing here, I, I won't talk about Laura's room yet either, because we'll get better shots of that later, but as the transition from Sarah going to the room and then coming back down to make a phone call, we get a close-up of the ceiling fan over the stairs, which later will have a lot more meaning, and in Fire Walk With Me will become rather ominous. That ceiling fan is a sign that bad things happen in the Palmer house. We'll get to that another time, because I want to talk about the things that got me sidetracked here as I was trying to figure out how far into the pilot this episode would go. We've had Laura Palmer's theme playing. I don't know much about music, so I can't speak to how the song does what it does, but that theme is wonderful because it hits emotional beats really well. We cut to the Briggs house. Garland is sitting, wearing his uniform, seated at a kitchen table. Betty is giving him, like, a shoulder massage, sort of. Seems more casual than that, like she just has her hands on his shoulders. But Then she goes to the phone and starts playing with scissors, which is interesting. Acting choice. For a sec, I had to go backward and double-check. Was she cutting his hair? No. She didn't have the scissors. She found them. Conversation's not that exciting. Sarah's calling to see if Laura's with Bobby. Because Bobby has to get up every morning at 5. He goes running and then goes to football practice. Allegedly. We'll find out later he hasn't been going to football practice, or at least hasn't been getting there on time. This is giving us a gauge of how early in the morning it is, though. Pete was going out fishing, presumably before he goes to work. Maybe he's going fishing for breakfast. So it's six, seven in the morning. They might specify in some paperwork in the final dossier when Laura's body was found. I'm not sure. But what got me sidetracked is the phone call finishes. And it looks like even Betty's a little worried that Sarah is so persistent. She thinks maybe she went with Leland. He had an early meeting. She's going to call the hotel. I got sidetracked by props. Because on the windowsill in the Briggs kitchen is what I immediately thought was a statue of one of the three wise men. I then drifted when I was looking up statues and finding a lot of similar style. But it could just be some any old saint. Like there's, wait, is there St. Robert? Oh my god, there's a St. Robert. Getting live research. I don't think it's a St. Robert. From the look of his statues, it's not, the pose isn't like his. I suppose it's holding something in his right hand and he has his left hand out. I imagined, you know, offering something. One of the three wise men, which is the first impression I had. Also seems to have darker skin. And the three wise men, or three magi, which much later became a root word for magician, which will matter in this show. The one that's always described is, where's the description? St. Balthazar. The Gospel of Matthew does not give names for the Magi. Their names rather come from a Greek manuscript from 500 AD. Balthazar, they're known as Bithesrea, was described by St. Bede in the 8th century as being of black complexion with a heavy beard. So he's generally the darker one of the three in their depictions. He is the one who offered myrrh, which I find multiple references to his gift of myrrh being a sign that prefigures the death of the Son of Man, which here I like the idea that the prop This is me being not me again. No, this is very much me. I just don't like it. 
Then we guess these things based on random props. We don't know the prop person had instructions. They didn't focus a camera on this prop, so they didn't want us to identify it. It was just what was there. But his gift is a sign that this blessed child is going to die. And we see it in this scene where these people are gradually getting to that point where they know that Laura is dead. So it fits in a way. But then I got sidetracked by more obvious props. A costuming. Major Garland Briggs military decorations. And this is fun because I was looking at a Reddit thread on r slash Twin Peaks and the Garland Briggs entry on the Twin Peaks wiki. And I'm fairly sure they get things wrong. The fandom lists the first one as Multinational Forces and Observers Medal. The Reddit thread lists it as the Army Distinguished Service Medal, which is what it seems to be. It is a very high-level Army decoration. He wasn't in the Army, so it's our first potential mistake or very deep cut. Both the Reddit thread and the fandom say the next one is the Legion of Merit. The Legion of Merit Award is kind of maroonish red with white bits at its ends. If you look at images, and I will use an image of him for the episode, his doesn't have the white things on the ends. It's solid. It also, in different parts of the episode, seems very bright red. And so, various possibilities. It could be the Army Meritorious Unit Commendation. It could be a Navy Good Conduct Medal. That's more maroon, but could be. The likelihood of him having a Navy medal as well? Unlikely. I don't think it's the Legion of Merit. What I found was the Specialty Meritorious Service Medal. It is for non-combat meritorious service. Wait, it's for during the Spanish-American War? Okay, it's probably not that then. <laughs> but it is solid red, so I don't think it's the Legion of Merit. This red one is a little iffy. Then we get some easy ones. He's got the Silver Star. He's got a Bronze Star. Purple Heart, Joint Service Commendation. That one's big for this weird mix, because Joint Service Commendation means he was doing something, you know, that was a joint service. And he worked on Blue Book, or some variant thereof. I don't have the secret history open in front of me. Joint Service Commendation for Sustained Acts of Heroism or Meritorious Service. This exists for acts of joint military service performed under the Department of Defense. So, this would be why he then would have Army and Air Force medals. Not necessarily a mistake of the prop people. Then he has Army Commendation Medal with what might be an oak glue cluster pin, which denotes that he got this medal more than once. Then is the Army Valorious Unit Award, which is specifically after 1963, Heroism in Action. Then a National Defense Service Medal. Then it gets weird. Because I believe both the Reddit thread and the fandom call the next one a Korean service medal. Korean service medal is white little stripes at the ends, mostly light blue, and a white stripe in the middle. But in several shots, his looks like the blue is actually a bunch of white and blue stripes, not solid blue, which doesn't exist. And I don't mean the white and blue stripe one that's off to the right if you know his medals. Then he's got Vietnam Service Medal and a United Nations Service Medal, specifically for Korea, which I think they all have these right, yeah. The last row, he's got a Korean War Service Medal. This is specifically, it's a presidential unit citation for Korea. And then he has a presidential unit citation for Vietnam, and then a Vietnam Gallantry Cross. 
there's a bigger problem than him getting army medals. The Joint Service commendation suggests there's a possibility he worked with the Army and the Air Force, and we could see that as him working for Blue Book or equivalent. The problem is that he wasn't old enough to serve in Korea. Let's see. The script says he is... Where's the H? Where's the H? Okay, let's see. Betty Briggs is described as a healthy, solid woman, early 40s. Her husband, Major Garlic Briggs, a rock-hard Air Force career man, since it doesn't say his age. Don S. Davis was born in 1942, so he's a child when the Korean War happens. Some people have said maybe it's because he time-traveled and he served in Korea while he was missing, which doesn't really make any sense. He wouldn't get medals currently for that. So, prop mistakes for Army, prop mistakes for Korea, prop mistakes for neither. Hard to say, unless I find out who was in charge of those props and talk to him. Maybe I'll try. Remember, in the words of Major Garland Briggs, who may have been in the Army and the Air Force, and fought in Korea even though he was 10. Mystery is the most essential ingredient of life. Mystery creates wonder, which leads to curiosity, which in turn provides the ground for our desire to understand who and what we truly are. This has been a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Peaks Radio, and on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Twin Peaks Radio, or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. You can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. The owls may not be what they seem, but they still serve an imperative function. They remind us to look into the darkness.